Welcome to Deathly Delicacies, your go-to podcast for an inside look into Abruja's book of life and spirituality. I'm your host, Alundra. This is the introductory episode. We're going to be taking an inside look into my work, myself, and how I got here. This podcast is brought to you by La Mujer Blanca Botanica, an online service-based spiritual shop where we work together to create magic, spiritual wellness, and knowledge. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to my very first episode, the pilot episode of Deathly Delicacies. Um, My name is Alondra. Welcome. I am a little bit nervous. This is the first time I'm ever doing a podcast, which is kind of surprising, mostly because I have been told that I do have a podcast voice. And if I ever considered doing a podcast, then it would be listened to. So ironically, growing up, I never really liked my voice. I always thought it was a little bit deeper in the lower octaves. And there's nothing wrong with that. I understand that now. But, you know, obviously growing up when you're a kid and everybody's telling you you have a deep voice, you're like, I'm sorry, what? Not that I would want to have like a really high pitched squeaky voice, even though it probably would sort of fit with the way I look on the outside, I have now come to appreciate my deeper, lower octave, more masculine voice. Um, Ironically, I am a masculine sign, so it kind of fits into it. A little bit about me, I am a first-generation Mexican-American artist and bruja, And I actually started my journey into spirituality probably around late 2017, early 2018. When I really got super into it was about 2019 was when I actually started to delve deeper to learn more about the craft. This is something that has been part of my life for a very long time, mostly because of my mom and my grandmother, my great-grandmother. So growing up, I was an only child with a widowed mother, and some duos thrive in this aspect, but my relationship with my mother struggled. And it wasn't because she was abusive or negligent. There was a lot of love, but in between two air signs, that becomes kind of a turbulent expression of self. Our souls were also very different in terms that I was older and she was younger. If you're new to this world, that means that I had already been reincarnated on this earth quite a few times while she had only been here maybe a couple, and she understood that. So in trying to understand me better, she turned to the stars and to religion, but religion never really was her thing. We grew up Catholic, so it is the tradition in a Mexican household. Funny to use the word tradition, but it's true. And since religion wasn't doing it for her, she turned towards the metaphysical side. And if you've been on this side or even are just starting the journey into the realm of stars and spirituality, it can get pretty confusing. But don't worry, she's an Aquarius, so she understood quite a bit, but she did it all by herself. As children, we learn how to hold ourselves by watching our parental figures and the way they hold themselves. So these are a couple of things that I learned from her. You keep to yourself and don't ask for help. No one in this life wants to help you. And if they do, they won't allow you to learn. So I slowly became more and more introverted. Not to mention I wasn't a regular kid. 
So the ability to make friends contradictory to my Libra son was really difficult for me. I was excluded so often that I just eventually left myself out. Later on, money became a thing that was scarce. We weren't living on the street or anything like that, but we also didn't have money for extra expenses. And it never really bothered me until I was around 11 or 12 years old when the other kids started to comment on how I would always wear the same sweater. A sweater that had been a hand-me-down from some cousin or some great aunt's niece. And from then on, I started to pay more and more attention to those things and I noticed the struggle. My mother tried very hard to keep me in the dark or oblivious to those things, but hello, intuitive child over here. I also never saw her cry. And some people might say that's good. A parent shouldn't cry in front of their children. But I mean, she didn't show any emotion about anything. She was pretty mellow and meh about most things, and that was hard. As an adult, I sometimes, to this day, struggle with showing emotions. It actually wasn't until a more recent relationship that this man was able to coax me out and show me that even though I put up a front of being indifferent, that I was actually a big baby who wanted to be held and loved like a child. Ironically, he's a father himself. So it's kind of crazy how life and the universe bring these people into your life when you least expect them. Another reason that I delve even deeper into my own self and spirituality was that I never liked being girly or doing the things that girls did. But I couldn't really be a part of the boys club because I was a girl. I know, the fucking stereotypes. However, it made me resistant and resilient. It made me strive to create my own world where that stuff didn't matter. Even if I was a oneer for a long time, eventually someone would want to be a part of this world. A part of my world. So what was the purpose of this? Why bring these things up? Because no matter our childhood, no matter the circumstances that led us to be where we are today, we hold the power. We have the ability to change the way our life plays out. Was it hard? Yes. There were times where I wished myself out. Will it continue to be harder? No. What do I mean no? The universe has laid it on me so hard that I look back and tell myself I survived it. I got through things so early on that the next time it wants to break me down, I know it's just its funny way of saying there's a breakthrough coming for you. Are you ready? Fuck yes. So this podcast is going to talk about a few things. It's going to talk about my journey into the spiritual world my family history going in a little bit about how my father's side and my mother's side were both somewhat in the craft but not really called the craft it was just traditional mexican brujeria or remedios so for me my journey really began as a child as i said my mom was trying to understand me and kind of figure me out because she could tell that I wasn't regular, I wasn't like my other cousins. I was in her words kind of lost in space and she figured that maybe something was 
different. And she never made me feel bad about that. She never made me feel like I was weird. It was more so growing up, especially in the younger times. Now it's becoming a little bit more accepted if you're intuitive or if you see ghosts or spirits or you channel messages. And I'm glad, but, you know, a few years ago, like two decades ago, that was um, medicated. That was suppressed. And there was a time in my life when I was younger, I want to say maybe about six or seven years old, I can't really remember too well, where I was put on medication because my energy was too sporadic and they wanted me to become a calmer, more controlled version of myself because I was a chatterbox because I never sat still and they called it ADHD and it was like a whole thing where that wasn't accepted. And I don't want to say all teachers, but some teachers want to have a classroom where the students are like little soldiers and they pay attention and everything is easier while, you know, other teachers don't mind and they understand that certain kids need specialized attention. And I was one of those kids that needed specialized attention. So in that time of my life, it didn't last very long because my mom did notice that I became very shut down. It was like living with a zombie is what she called it. And she didn't want me growing up like that. But some part of me also knew that she kind of got tired of getting called and getting complained to about me. So I tried very hard to keep myself more in control. And eventually that kind of made me into an introvert. She was also very protective over me. And I wasn't really allowed to go out and do a lot of things, hang out with friends when I did have school friends, unless my other cousin went with me. But, you know, he and I, we were two different people. We had two different social groups. I always felt like he was the bubbly, well-liked person and I was just the weird kid. (laughs) Even though he never made me feel like that, it, it felt like that for me. So... Yeah, eventually I kind of hung out with quote-unquote the outcasts, but I got tired of that too, and then I just kind of stuck to myself because I was comfortable with my own self, and yeah, so even now to to this day, I don't really have that many friends, and the few acquaintances turned close relationships, close friends are in the same community that I am in now. So, but for the most part, I still like to keep to myself. You know, that's kind of just the way I grew up and it feels better on myself and on my body. One of the things that I noticed was that 
whenever I was around a lot of people, especially a lot of people who either didn't get along or there was like underlying like jealousy or or rage, my body and my energy responded in a way where I didn't really want to be around that. So I would shut myself off from that, go into my own space and just kind of chill with myself. And that in a Mexican family, um, in a majority of the Hispanic families, it's seen as disrespectful. It's seen as um, rude. It's seen as why can't you control your kids better? But I have come to learn that I just couldn't be around the superficial fake shit. Not to say that every single person in my family is fake and they're superficial or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But if there was an issue going on below the surface level, I kind of picked up on it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to be around this um, at all. And I would just leave. And yes, in the beginning, it would get me into some trouble. But eventually... My mom was kind of over it, so now she kind of understands that it does take a big toll, especially when you are an intuitive person. This is all in my youth, mind you. Um, I've always been attracted to the darker side of things, the darker side of spirituality, which explains what I'm doing now in my spiritual practice. A lot of the work that I do has to do with going into the dark night of the soul, uh, discovering what is truly beneath the surface, healing deep traumas. A lot of the work is having to do with sexual traumas, also insecurity within your own self, rebuilding all of that, taking all of the past traumas from your childhood, from your youth, even now um, to this day, because traumas and situations happen every day at any point in our lives and cutting cords, getting rid of all of that achiness, diving deep and really just coming to an understanding that even though these things have happened, even though we were put in situations where pieces of us literally were ripped out, It does not mean that we can't find ways to heal those aspects. I came to that realization that I was put here to help people through that, through my personal experiences and through the clients that would come to me. I noticed a pattern of what they were seeking in terms of help, in terms of wanting to understand and to grow and when I connect with somebody whether it is doing a tarot card reading whether it's doing a sobada which is healing the body through touch for illnesses for ailments for traumas or even just doing um, candle work ritual work when I noticed that a lot of my clients were coming to me They had experienced sexual trauma. They were in abusive relationships. They 
self-harmed in their youth um, or things like that, I started to really look back at the situations that had happened in my life and how I got through those. And I decided, you know what? I feel that this is my soul's purpose because these things happened to me when I was younger. Granted, I still am on the younger side, even though some days it feels like I'm already old. That's just my soul talking. But I went through those experiences so that I could learn from them. I could grow from them and I could help others get past them and change their lives for the better. Because at the end of the day, that's all we're really here to do as spiritual workers is help you help yourself. I won't be here doing the work for you. I can show you how to do the things and I can tell you and guide you. And sure, I can do rituals and I can do limpias and sobadas and all of these things. At the end of the day, though, you are the person who is going to be accountable for you. I have to do my part and I have to show you how to get to where you need to, but you have to put in the work. I can't put in the work for you. I've put in the work for myself. So that is just a little introductory of what it was like for me kind of growing up as a child and how I kind of started my journey into spirituality. What really kicked it off for me was going through some pretty awakening relationships. I was married and divorced all by the age of 21. There was a situationship that happened and then in between all of that, Eventually, I grew tired of the situationship that was toxic on me, and I ended up getting into a relationship that was another toxic issue, and I noticed that that was my pattern of kind of suppressing the work that needed to be done. So after that relationship, I decided to just really focus in on spirituality and learning more about myself through various divination tools. I, of course, started where a lot of people usually start, and that is through tarot cards. Tarot cards were not tricky for me to understand, but I had eventually learned that I couldn't read the way other readers read. I know it's like, what? But, you know, in traditional tarot, if you're doing just like a general spread, you always start off with three cards first. One, two, three, past, present, future. and Or if you can ask a question or if you're doing like a love reading. But traditionally, it's about you start with like three to seven cards, kind of depending, and then you kind of add on from there. Um, And then you read them left to right. I actually couldn't really do that because the way that I read tarot is I read them backwards. So I lay out my cards and 
I look at them and as I'm laying out cards, I'm already getting channeled messages through. And for a long time, I was critical, self-critical about that because I was like, I don't think I'm doing this right. Like this, I don't think this is the way tarot readings are supposed to go, at least from the ones that I've seen and I've received. They don't really do them like this. And one of my mentors, actually, Vanessa Codornio, was telling um, a workshop, a group, when we were doing, I can't remember, I think it was the Akash uh, training. But she was telling us that when it came to reading tarot cards, she didn't even have to really look at the picture because the messages were already coming through. The pictures and the cards were just there for the people to look at, to have something to look at. And I was like, well, shit, that's kind of how I'm reading my cards is that, yes, sometimes the pictures make it easier to tell the story. Sometimes like the words, some tarot cards will have like a sentence or like um, a descriptor of what the card signifies. Um, In traditional tarot, though, the, the weight tarot, it doesn't. It's just the images and then the name of the specific card but I had learned that I was actually reading so if you ever do get a reading from me right now I'm only doing recorded readings you'll notice that I lay out my cards and then I start telling the story or I'll even have messages beforehand that usually happens as well is before I even start working on someone's um, reading or even like honing in on their energy. I prepare myself and the messages already come through. Sometimes the videos are longer, sometimes they're a little bit shorter, but for the most part they average out between um, 25 to 30 minutes. So that was where I kind of started and then I went into reading runes and charms. Eventually I transgressed to reading tea leaves And now I'm doing a lot of my work has to do with candle magic and sobadas as well as soul retrieval and going deeper into a meditative state in order to rediscover parts of yourself that you have either lost along the way or uncovering underlying issues. For example, if you're having trouble financially, let's just say that, we'll go into a platica, which is a heart-to-heart conversation where I ask you a couple of questions and then we figure out whether we need to do candle magic, whether we need to do candle magic and a money jar, or whether we need to do a meditation in order to figure out what's really the issue when it comes to your money and you not being able to either make enough of it or retain it or have it stick with you for a long period of time. A lot of my work is longevity. It's not a quick solution. There are, you know, some practitioners that will do it and they will get it for you like within like a week. And all of a sudden you're making money, but it doesn't last. Um, And with me, I go a little bit deeper 
and I help you discover and it's not a quick turnaround time. That's something that I've learned about myself is I need for my own self and obviously when it comes to my own self, I attract clients that were past versions of myself. But when it came to my own self, I needed longevity, not a quick solution because I operate in such a fire rapid state all the time. When it comes to certain parts in my life, I need things to take their time because one of my karmas in this life is to learn patience. One of my favorite things to say is patience is a virtue one that I don't really possess, but I'm learning and I've grown more and more patient. So yes, can we make money fast? Of course, anybody can make money fast if you know how to work your way and work the system. But wouldn't you want to have your money stay with you for a long period of time? And I know that I'm talking about money, but This applies to anything and everything. It can apply to relationships. It can apply to romance. It can apply to your self-confidence. It can apply to um, your career, anything like that. Money is just one of those topics that everybody wants and loves to talk about, especially me. You know, I love my money and my money loves me. So yeah, that is a little insight of what it's like to work with me and where my life kind of took a turn and how I ended up starting this journey. As the episodes progress, we'll be going into tips and tricks on rituals, on reading energies. Um, I'm even planning on having people on as guest speakers, kind of going into a little bit about the work that they do and how they got there as well as reading other people. I don't want to say like live callers because I mean, even though they will be live at the time of the recording, um, it's not really like a radio show where it's like live in that moment. But I do want to have something along the lines of reading people live. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And that is all that I have for you guys today. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode and look forward to sharing with you more as the weeks go by. If you're curious to learn more about me or work with me, you can visit me on my website, lamujerblancabotanica.com or on Instagram at lmb underscore botanica. That is LMB underscore B-O-T-A-N-I-C-A. We'll see you next time.